0: I must confess that uh, that dream that I had that day has been upon turned into a nightmare. I can be the spark, you can be the flame Gotta stand right now, bring about a change System is corrupt, yet they're not ashamed Cause they still feel weird, three-fifths of you, Mr. Osipha! Mr. Orsifah, I want you to be fair now, Mr. Sifa. Stop murdering my people and uphold the law. I'm watching you on camera, Mr. Sifa. America, you. Your own recorder. Your own recorder. Your so up. On recorder. only recorder. On recorder. America. Inside a racist country
1: righteousness is in the atmosphere can you feel it this is righteous radio righteous radio where truth is the sound and today on today's broadcast we dealing some sadness for the affliction of our people. Um, Prayers out today to the families of some of our people that have been slain. And as I reflect on these things, I must say that in some ways we have to do better In deciphering the plight that we are in and understanding that we will not be dealt with by this country's authorities in the same ways that some of our counterparts will. And that we can't put ourselves in certain positions. That being said, murder is murder. And it is good to be able to say that there was a just decision passed down this week with the guilty verdicts of Derek Chauvin, the murderer of Malcolm Floyd. Those decisions were just, but Let's not believe that we have arrived as we believed we had arrived when we got a black president. Let's not believe we have arrived because a high-profile case with an officer murdering a black man, which has been going on for years, that we got a guilty verdict is not the end-all. But... Again, a just decision moving forward. But right when that was going on, we had more murders of our people going on. So today, on this program, we will delve into the curses that our people face, generational curses, scriptural curses. We'll play a little music, talk a little truth today on Righteous Radio. Let us pray. Most high, creator of the earth, the sea, and all that dwelleth therein, great Elohim." We pray today for the families of Makia Bryant and Dante Wright. We pray for the family of Malcolm Floyd, knowing that a guilty verdict will not bring their loved one back to them. but that it might provide some comfort moving forward. We pray that you would give us the anointing of common sense, that we would not put ourselves in positions to be shot in the street like dogs, that we would be smarter about the decisions that we make, that we would understand In the midst of our anger, in the midst of our turmoil, in the midst of our sins, that the decisions that we make, one way or the other, can be a crossroads to life or death. We pray for your comfort. We pray for your common sense anointing on us and we pray for your grace. We pray that we would come out of sin and come back into your marvelous light. We pray that we would repent across this country for our sins, that you might deliver us. This is our prayer today mighty Elohim. Comfort us as we go through tribulation. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our Elohim, is one. Shalom. Okay, family. So, The title of today's episode is Our Curses, Our Struggle More often than not we speak on the curses of Deuteronomy 28 those of us who are a part of the awakening those of us who understand who we are and what our responsibility is Those of us who are not steeped in tradition, but are steeped in the truth and the truth will set you free. We understand our plight when we understand that the book, that the scriptures, that the Bible is our history book. It's also our book of prophecy. And we can understand ourselves as a people much easier once we understand the book. Many of us sit in churches every Sunday and don't understand the book. And we teach the book from a perspective of colonialism. But when you teach the book from the perspective that it was meant to be taught from, you understand the curses, the things that we do to each other, the things that we're, uh, the things that we're uh, taking from other races, uh, the the persecutions and 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 the perception of our people across the earth darker skinned people across the earth where we were scattered and the scripture says we would be scattered are maligned and disrespected and hated and yet we are such a talented and such a blessed people But it does not seem that way sometimes, the way we act, the decisions that we make. Um, We're going to listen to the last part of Deuteronomy 28 chapter. And I want you to tell me what people match what you hear.
0: Lord shall scatter thee among all people, from the one end of the earth even unto the other, and there thou shalt serve other gods, which neither thou nor thy fathers have known, even wood and stone, and among these nations shalt thou find no ease, neither shall the soul of thy foot have rest, but the Lord shall give thee there a trembling heart, and failing of eyes, and sorrow of mind. And thy life shall hang in doubt before thee. And thou shalt fear day and night, and shalt have none assurance of thy life. In the morning thou shalt say, Would God it were even. And at even thou shalt say, Would God it were morning. For the fear of thine heart wherewith thou shalt fear, and for the sight of thine eyes which thou shalt see. And the Lord shall bring thee into Egypt again with ships, by the way whereof I spake unto thee, thou shalt see it no more again. And there ye shall be sold unto your enemies for bondmen and bondwomen, and no man shall buy you.
1: So, we see that the things that we're going through Or scripture we could speak of many scriptures outside of these scriptures in Deuteronomy 28 that tells us about the curses we could speak of many scriptures that would describe us as a people that would allow you to recognize us in scripture if you read Deuteronomy 28 that the, the curses that are in there There's no other race of of people on the earth that fit those verses of scriptures like we do. That being said, we reflect on the things that our people are going through with the rulers of this country, the police, you know... The sad thing about it is, is that we have no clue who we are. We have no clue what we're supposed to be doing. We have no clue as to what's being done to us. Some of us don't. Now, obviously, there are some of us that know exactly what's going on. Even outside of the Israelites, there are some of us that know exactly what's going on. But there are some of us that are still in the dark about these things. You know, in the midst of the Malcolm Floyd situation, in the midst of the recent shootings, in the midst of what's been going on since Tamir Rice and Michael Brown and and now don't get me wrong. Um, as I say in my opening to this episode, we have to make better decisions. There have been many that come out and say that there's no no racism in this country. That that. You know, uh, and some some we we call we call these people coons. Uh, I'm not gonna call nobody a coon today. I don't know how I will feel tomorrow. <laughs> but we have those such as the Jesse Lee Petersons of the world. We have those such as the Hodge twins on on YouTube, and they say every black person that has been killed by the police is because they have not followed the directions of the police they've tried to fight the police or they they've not followed the instructions of the police now obviously that is a lie not every person that we we name was was uh, not following instructions. I mean, Fernando Castle was following instructions to the T. But it was a fear of a black man that got him killed. He, he was not going against the instructions of the police. He instructed the, the police that he did have a firearm, and that put fear in the police to the point where they felt the need to shoot the man in front of his his in front of his child and his his woman. There are many situations that are unjust. And it's because we are going through generational curses and as well as the curses of Deuteronomy the twenty eighth chapter. We are in a land not our own And we are in the midst of Jacob's trouble. And so we are maligned. And so we are in a position that we cannot seem to get ourselves out of. Ever since Colin Kaepernick kneeled for the flag, many have uh, had opinions on both sides of that of that argument some have said that he should have lost his job he should have been fired he 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 should have never you know kneeled for the flag and then some some of the you know former players some of the high profile players who obviously had things to gain they they jumped on the side of Of America and said hey he shouldn't have he shouldn't have kneeled for the flag but as of late when you look at why he was kneeling as of late when you look at this country and what we have seen since that time obviously well before that time but since that time you hear the voices start to fade the voices that would stand up for America and say that, nah, he did it the wrong way, you know. uh, The Deion Sanders of the world, the um, Ray Lewis's of the world, they are a little quiet right now. Deion Sanders is one of my favorite players of all time. But he's wrong to not back Colin Kaepernick. And so is Ray Lewis and any any of the other athletes that didn't back Colin Kaepernick. And if they didn't back Colin Kaepernick, I would venture to say that it's because they had something to gain for not backing him. Because you would have to be blind, deaf, and dumb to walk around as a black man in this country and not understand the racism that has overtly been perpetrated on us for hundreds of years. You would have to be just goofy to not understand that the police deal with us differently than they deal with those of a lighter complexion. Now, Colin Kaepernick, when he kneeled, he brought light to something else. People want to talk about the flag and disrespecting the flag and disrespecting the anthem, but nobody wants to talk about The anthems disrespect for black people and i heard a goofy pastor who i used to have a lot of respect for i still have some respect for him uh g craig lewis said uh well the anthem wasn't even really talking about no slaves or it wasn't uh uh that's that's not what it it was what it meant now if you read The national anthem that part of the anthem where it talks about hirelings and slaves what you have to remember is this now this same pastor that'll say that we'll talk about the sacred and profane and mixing the sacred and profane when it comes to uh, a gospel artist singing songs with secular artists but it's okay for a dude francis scott kelly who owned slaves who started race rides in 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 washington dc it's okay for him to be able to write an anthem that we 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 put our hands over our hearts and and, and spout the sacred and, and the profane is okay depending on who's doing it you got to make sure you know not to hurt the white people's feelings you got to make sure to be politically correct even when they're wrong you're gonna back them but spout a scripture to us when we're wrong that's hypocritical when you knowingly know that a person is racist own slaves own your ancestors was against abolition and you back him you're no different than the gospel singer G Craig that sings a song with a secular artist. so you can't have it both ways now let's read it I want to read a little bit of this article about Francis Scott Kelly, and then we'll talk a little bit about what has happened recently as far as these shootings. It says, uh, uh, I'm going to quote from uh, a website called The Undefeated. It's a, a, a uh, article that's, that's oh. entitled, The Star-Spangled Banner's racist lyrics reflect its sa- slave owner, author, Francis Scott Kelly. It says, Francis Scott Kelly and Colin Kaepernick are perfect opposites in a drama of privilege versus protest in America. Key, an elite insider and author of the national anthem, helped a president down a dark path to defend slavery. Kaepernick, the outsider, is the former NFL quarterback, banished from the realm for kneeling during the lofty victory song that Key wrote under a battle-stained sky in 1814. Never has more attention been paid to the Star-Spangled Banner, played and sung at every major sporting event, Now the national symbols, the flag, and the song remain at the center of controversy. And as the NFL season gets underway, sides are being drawn in a renewed battle over free speech and nonviolent resistance among legions of sports fans. For the record, Kaepernick's peaceful protest was aimed at police brutality toward black men, His actions, joined by other players, drew President Donald Trump's fury and divided public opinion. It might seem like he is up past his historical bedtime, but the backstory and the cross-currents of the anthem are as as unresolved as the NFL player challenges still likely to come on game days. Whatever side you're on, we all need to know the roots of the Star-Spangled Banner run deep in slavery's soil. How deep is seldom told. Lawyer, poet, Key, born to massive slaveholding wealth in Maryland, was one of the richest men in America. He liked it that way. As he grew older and darker, Key sought to buttress slavery. Known as our own peculiar institution, he did just that past his last breath. The U.S. Supreme Court, which he helped shape, and stood strongly for, st- for slavery. So beside the anthem, his political legacy as a critical political player in upholding slavery is devastating. In his 50s, Key became an advisor to President Andrew Jackson, who was also a wealthy self-made Southern slaveholder see these guys a lot of these guys that we look up to that some look up to I should say in this country as leaders of the or or I should say forefathers of America they were slaveholders you know that's just the 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 climate that was going on back then. If you were somebody of importance, if you were a, a, a political leader, if you were um, someone in high esteem, wealthy in this country, you owned slaves. Now, that doesn't mean you had to that doesn't mean we give them a pass because that was the climate of the time at that time no but that's what was going on so it would only prove to be true that the guy who wrote the national anthem that he was also a slave owner and that he was also a racist and that he was also against freedom the slaves it says here key often whispered in the ear of jackson the plantation owner in the white house when he wasn't shouting jackson listened to jackson's presidency through presidency brought brutal racially motivated mob violence like never before including a race riot in washington dc jackson had no sympathy for mobs but even less for slaves and free blacks then came the worst cut of all key prevailed on jackson to name key's own brother-in-law roger taney to the cabinet and then to the ultimate prize chief justice of the united states to be tied to the infamous taney is a serious stain on key's rosy reputation like key taney was a native of maryland a state steeped in slavery where frederick douglas was born taney and key were friends before roger met and married key's sister that's how small the antebellum himself was for wealthy white men all right let's skip down here because this is long Since the Dred Scott ruling landed as a public outrage, historians consider it a catalyst for the Civil War, which broke out four years later. Taney swore in Abraham Lincoln as as president in 1861, a face-to-face breaking point between the nation's past and future. Key illustrates how the antebellum South lost that game. His elegant life started out well and was winning at halftime, like the dashing confederacy itself the war of 1812 came to his city port of baltimore and the new nation won the day his poem told the story sparking unity and spirit for post-revolutionary generations Kindly put, Key was a nation builder who lost luster later in life. Perhaps his association with the Fierce Jackson turned his character unkind, darker, and harder. Like many upper-crust slave owners, including James Madison, Key claimed to favor colonization, shipping free blacks to Africa. Okay. So... The bottom line is, that the guy who wrote the Star Spangled Banner was a racist slave owner, it doesn't surprise that he had a verse in his Star Spangled Banner that was disrespectful to black people, to the Negro, to the slaves. But yet we're expected to put our hands over our hearts and hold the song near and dear to our heart. All the while watching Caucasian police officers putting their knees into the necks of black men in a symbolic overview of what goes on all around the country the image of Derek chauvin's knee in the neck of malcolm floyd should be forever etched into your memory should be something that is an example of the way that this country feels about you and yet even when the Bible tells you that you that we're strangers to this world, that we're not of this world, that we're not to be of this world, you, not all of you, but a lot of you who call yourself Christians and call yourself whatever you call yourself will still wax patriotic and tell other people in your church congregations that they should do the same now the scriptures do tell you to love your enemy pray for those who spitefully use you turn the other cheek Scriptures do tell you that. But I could also show you scriptures that tell you to pray for the demise of your enemy. Who is your enemy? Is what you have to ask yourself. Is Derek Chauvin your enemy? Or maybe as a Christian... Many of you think that it's not Derek Chauvin that's your enemy, but it's the devil within him that is your enemy. Malcolm Floyd, when he had the knee in his neck, might disagree with you. However, the bottom line is this. The most high has given us common sense some of us some of us don't have much common sense if common sense was common we would all have it but some of you don't have what i call the anointing of common sense the anointing of common sense needs to flow both ways not only to the black man who says there's no racism in this country it's just That we act a a nut but it also needs to flow to the other side of the people that say there is racism in this country and just look at all of the shootings and all of the things that are happening to us ironically both sides have a little bit of validity to their argument yes there is racism in this country all over the place and if you don't see it then stevie wonder and ray charles got you beat but at the same time yes we do need to be better we need to be better in the ways that we think for instance Makia Bryant, bless her soul, should have had the common sense anointing to say that I called 911. I called the police into this situation. Now, I am supposedly defending myself. I have a knife. I'm fighting to defend myself. And now, the police pull up. What should I do at this point? Should I continue to fight as if to say I don't care nothing about the police are coming because I called them, and I'm gonna keep whooping your behind, or I'm gonna keep fighting, and they just get in where they fit in. I, I'm a, I'm I'm a dog. I'm I'm you know I'm 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 a beast out here. Well, that didn't prove to be the right decision because. You don't, if, 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 if you have any common sense, you should know that you don't commit any type of crime in front of the police, whether you call the police or not, especially when you don't have the complexion for the connection. You do not continue to fight in front of the police. Now, if somebody's swinging on you or somebody's attacking you and you have to defend yourself, even with the police being on site, you know, you, I mean, you got to defend yourself to a certain point, but to a certain point, you have to step back and allow the police to do the job that you called them to do. And when you don't do that, you put yourself in the line of fire because now they pull up. They don't know who called 911. They don't know who the aggressor is. And you look like the aggressor because you continue to be aggressive. The spirit of common sense would have told her the police are here. Chill. She's still fighting. Now, Don't get it twisted. I am not in any way saying that the police had the right or the good decision making in killing her. That was a bad decision on his part. And I've heard it said Even 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 my even my better half said, "Well, I don't think it was racially motivated." Let me tell you why. That's not true. It was definitely racially motivated. Now, the key thing is this: was it the police officer that was racist? Or was it the system or the good old boys club that he was trained under that's racist? In other words, no matter what, for you to shoot a 15-year-old black girl in cold blood in her chest... You can't do that without there being some racist in you. But the bigger problem is the system that he's trained up in allows overt racism. The system that he's trained up in promotes racism because why? Black people are dealt with differently than are white people. What do I mean? It's easy to figure out what I mean. I got into a debate yesterday on my Righteous Radio page with a few brothers who, like many of us, suffer from, or I should say, many of y'all, because I, I, I don't suffer from Stockholm Syndrome. I don't love people who try to kill me. Um, but many of you, for political correctness sake, will stand up and defend a white person when they do something like this you'll stand up and defend them because you want to look good in front of your white counterparts because if you say something that makes you look pro-black if you say something that makes you look like you love your people for, for goodness sake it might stall an opportunity or put you in a situation where You don't get a benefit from Massa that you would have gotten. But the bottom line is, the truth is the truth. Now, if we're wrong, I'm going to say we're wrong. I'm saying right now, we, you know, uh, Makia Bryant wasn't right the way that she handled that situation. That's why she's no longer alive, God bless her soul. I wish she'd have handled it different. But what I'm telling you is, What none of these people will answer and what none of them addressed in the debate with me yesterday on Righteous Radio Page, in any debate that I've had with people that I've come across in my day-to-day just talking about it, what nobody has answered when I asked this question is, bottom line, if it was racially motivated, then This is the question you have to ask and answer. To prove that it wasn't racially motivated, this is the question you have to ask and answer. Had it been a white 15-year-old girl fighting two other white 15-year-old girls or however old them other girls was, parents right there on site Would she be dead today? If Makia's name was Martha and she was a lighter skin tone, she was a Caucasian girl, would she be alive or dead on April the 22nd? 2021 i submit to you that she would be alive i submit to you that the systematic racism that permeates in police departments causes them to pull up to a situation when they're dealing with an african-american subject or i really don't use the term african-american with, with a Negro or a black subject, they have their guns drawn from the get-go. However, I don't think it would be the same were it a Caucasian youth. I don't think he would have grabbed for his guns first. I think he would have grabbed for his taser first. I think he would have even tried to grab her and tackle her or something. He would have used another alternative outside of lethal force. Now, this is what I propose to you. This is what needs to change the mentality of racism that permeates the police department, that that, that, that police officer was reared up under. That's why I was racially motivated, because they are racially motivated when they go into a situation. They grabbing for their guns, for they grabbing for anything else. Now this is what needs to happen to the police forces around the country. Shannon Sharp is somebody that I respect because he keeps it real even though he's on TV. And um, he was saying that he couldn't really celebrate, even though Derek Chauvin was convicted. He was glad that, that he was convicted, obviously, but he was saying, I can't celebrate people for doing what they're supposed to do that. That was a no-brainer. Everybody saw the man, murder man on camera. They did what they were supposed to do. And even though many times in these situations, they don't do what they're supposed to do, he said, I can't really celebrate until I see across-the-board changes in the system where these things don't happen just you know just having one conviction is is like a pebble a pebble in in the in the in the water now I agree with that and in adding to that I say this what needs to happen as far as police reform in this country for black people to feel better in dealing with police is the overtly racist system that hires these Ku Klux Klan members these closet Ku Klux Klan members these skinheads these whatever they are needs to use that very invasive um, background check that they do a bit better in the beginning when they're hiring these officers and what they need to do is and what would make us a bit more comfortable is if These officers had to take sensitivity training before they could hit the street. They would have to understand every race that they're going to be dealing with before they hit the street. They would have to be out on the beat interacting with black people before you just throw them out there. No matter what their background was before they got there. And if they came from a small hick town that didn't have any black people living in it, you don't just throw them out there in a community of all blacks and let them swim. You have to take into account their background. And in taking into account their background, you have to, in turn, make them take diversity training, sensitivity training to the community that they're going to be in if it's and, and that goes for black black officer too if, if it's a black officer and he's going to be in a white community although <laughs> we really know y'all we, we we know how y'all get down so uh, uh, let's say this if it's a black if it's a black officer and he's going into say a, a hispanic community or a uh somali somali community because just because your skin is black don't make you from the same clique from the same family i mean we all have stereotypes we all have prejudices i don't believe that a black man can be racist because to be racist you must be in power racism is an implementation of power over another race because of the position that you're in we are not in the position of power to be racist but we can be prejudiced now when i talk about somali communities (laughs) one of my prejudices is (laughs) if i be transparent i I don't think somalis know how to drive (laughs) i think they're terrible drivers i think they cause all kind of accidents because when they come over here they don't uh they don't thoroughly get trained on driving, and well, that's a whole other story. But that's one of my prejudices. I admit it. I think Somali drivers is terrible. Do I do I like Somali people? I, I love them. They they fine. They, I ain't got no problem with them as people, but as drivers. <laughs> But we all have prejudices. We all have prejudices in this world. At the end of the day, the system of the police, what some people don't realize is the police, the origin of the police was that they, the the. the Policing was set up to catch runaway slaves. When police were were created and formed, they were not formed. And do your research on this. Don't just listen to me. I know you ain't going to just listen to me anyway. Do your research on what I say. When police, the concept of police were formed, it was not just to walk around and police communities in America. It was they were formed as slave catchers. That's what they were formed as and it it metamorphosized into what we see today now. you know they call them police and they're supposed to be police in the community and you know but they still have a perpetual hatred. blacks a lot of them or it allows them to empower themselves if they have prejudices or any racism in them It, it empowers them when they encounter a black person to be able to assert their authority in a in that situation whereas they may not be able to assert it in their regular life so there need to be systems put in place as far as in the recruiting pl- process, in the hiring process, in the HR process of, of becoming a police officer. On the federal level, the government needs to put programs in place. And maybe they need to put an African-American, or a black person over the HR processes in these police stations so that they can preside over putting white officers in our neighborhoods. I don't believe we need to defund the police. Sometimes the police in situations are needed. Sometimes you're in a situation where The only thing between you going to jail yourself and a situation being resolved is to call the police so you don't hurt somebody, so you don't do something that puts you in jeopardy legally. Sometimes the police are needed. So I don't think the police need to be defunded. I believe that they need to, to totally refurbish the leadership Totally refurbish the management, totally refurbish the systems that put them out there on the street and totally come up with a HR process that weeds out these white supremacists, these KKK members and these skinheads and these closet racists. They need to root them out and there are ways to root them out you can act only so you you can you can only act but so well you can only be an actor but so far you can act like you like a person but there are certain systematic things that can be put in place that would Let us know who's who that would, in the Bible's terms, separate the wheat from the tares when it comes to racism. They need to go through diversity training. If you're a white officer and you're going to be working in areas with minorities or what they call minorities, we're not really minorities. They say that to make you scared and make you think that it's more. We're probably the majority, but. If you're working in black communities or a community other than your community, you should have to go through diversity training first. And you should have to be out on that beat with a supervisor first before you can work out in that community officially. Secondly, this is what they need to do to reform the police. I don't think everybody should have a gun that's a police officer. Now, you might laugh and say, man, you, you put them in danger. You, are you crazy? No, 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 no. You can't put a gun in everybody's hand. Some people don't know how to control their emotions well enough to be walking around on the street with a firearm like Andy Griffiths. what needs to be done is they should have someone who they know is level-headed and diverse in their mindset to be a gun carrier in each police car if you if you have two two police on patrol the one that has the gun should be the one who you know for a fact is is, is, is cool with every community who does not have any type of biases or races, racism in them. The other person should only have a taser, should only have certain things. That officer that shot that 15-year-old girl, he didn't need to be carrying no firearm. People like that don't need to carry firearms and be put out on the street. So I think that they should limit the guns in the police departments. I think there should only be certain officers that have passed certain diversity tests and that have uh, been deemed as uh, mentally stable to carry a gun. Now they might say, well, they've all went through mental stability tests or they wouldn't put a gun in it. No, that's not true because if that was true, then we wouldn't have our people getting shot all over the, the country in the street like they dogs. So, two things that I propose. One, diversity training and extensive in the community with several managers walking around with you training before you're able to go out on your own in a community that's not your own type of community. Two, you should not be allowed to carry a gun if you're working in a certain type of communities like that, that are not your own type of community. It should be someone else with you that maybe has a firearm because, of course, you can't go out trying to fight people who might have weapons and guns without a gun and a weapon. <laughs> then we'd have cops getting shot and killed all over the country. So, no. No. That's not what I'm saying. But if you doubling these police officers up and they're going out with partners and, and, and different stuff, you put one out there with a gun, the other one just with a taser in certain communities. That would make the people in those communities feel a lot better. That's the type of reform that we need Because if not, then we will have to do something drastic like defund the police. But I don't think that's the answer. I think the people who are in control need to be taken out of control. And people put in those positions of HR and uh, positions of authority that are over these police departments and these officers need to be people that know how to weed out the wheat from the tares as far as racism. And officers that are overtly racist, or that you even might think, that you even might feel like, well, I'm not sure about this guy as far as the diversity, uh, uh, sensitivity that he has in his makeup, then put him... In the Hick towns, put him out there with his own people. Put him over there with Billy Bob and and and, and Bobby Ray, and, and let them kick it. Don't put them in our communities. If you come in our communities, you should have a certain level of trust from your superiors that you are not a closet KKK or closet skinhead, or some guy who really just wants to assert his dominance over black folks because he don't like them. There is a way to weed those people out. Now, the officer that shot Makia Bryant should have used other alternatives. Now, I know he only had a split second to make decisions, and I've had this discussion with a few people, and they brought up some good points, but hey, I still feel like there's no no way that in a situation like that, you put me out on the street as a police officer, there's no way I'm going to shoot a 15-year-old girl in her chest. Because she fighting somebody or she got a gun, I don't care what color she is. I'm not gonna shoot her in her chest and kill her and take her away from her family in this world because she got a knife and she about to slice somebody with it. No, I'm a, i'm a, If anything, I'm a shoot her with a taser. I'm a run up on her and take my chances of snatching her up from behind because you have an advantage if she has her back to you trying to attack somebody. You can come up behind her and put her in a full Nelson, put her in some type of a a, a, a hold or some type, you know, you, you, you can, you, you can, uh, uh, snatch her up. You can detain her in a way where nobody has to die. I mean, I've watched the, 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 uh, the cam footage of it and, and, um, uh, that's my conclusion. I, there's no way that he should have done, done that that way. Now, let me not forget before I end this broadcast to talk about the dumb daddy in the situation. The dumb father who, when she when she runs up and, and, and knocks the first girl down, he tries to kick her while she runs over to, to try to cut the other girl. He, he tries to kick her. They should lock his behind up. They should lock his behind up. Now, they can't lock him up that long for that, but but he should see some jail time for what he did. He should have to sit in jail and think about the fact that his daughter is probably not on this earth right now because of him. Because when the police arrived, if she didn't have the common sense anointing to stop, he should have stopped her and shut the whole situation down. He should have restrained his own daughter to keep her safe don't wait till after they done shot your daughter in the chest and say oh she's a child she's a kid no bro you should have thought about that before before you let her just run rampant in front of the police and do what she wanted to do we all have to have a certain conversation with our children and let them know how to act in front of police if they are of darker skin color You were right there on the scene to intervene and and help her not put herself in the situation that she put herself in. Did you think that the cop was going to stand there and let her stab that girl? Common sense anointing. Many of us don't have that. Now, you ain't going to probably have the common sense anointing if you ain't saved, if you ain't Uh, you know, if, if you don't have the RUAC. So, you know, maybe I'm putting too high expectations on him, but he still should be smart enough to have not put his daughter in that situation. And now he has to live the rest of his life knowing that he made a dumb decision to allow her to continue to make dumb decisions right in front of him with police officers that did not have her best interests at heart. So today we're going to end it on that note. My friends, Righteous Radio is saddened today for the state of our country and the state of our people, but the curses in Deuteronomy spell out what's going on with us. We have to do better. So with that, we're going to end it with a song by Jeremiah featuring Mariah from the Israelites. Till next week, be blessed. (laughs)
0: Thank <laughs> you.